0: Is that. Hello, friends. Welcome to the Spirit Led Discipleship Podcast. I'm your host Nathan Harkness, and I am here with a very special friend, Kevin. Kevin, I can say your name if I want. Say my name. Say my name. Kevin is um is a good friend. Well, should we start this over and call you Carl? <laughs> no,
1: you can call me Kevin. <laughs>
0: okay, we'll, we'll call you Kevin. And we've been spending the week here in Brazil <laughs> and, and, and learning about... What, I don't know what I've been learning about. We've been learning about um, a new way of being. And I want to ask you about the new way of being. Um, Kevin and I go way back, 20 years or so. And Kevin is... Um, is a, a, a fellow uh, zealous friend who loves people and cultures and, and who loves Jesus and who recently um, encountered some really, really serious difficulties in his life and had to discover a new way to be with Jesus in the middle of pain, in the middle of um, incredible difficulty, and in, in the middle of um, an ongoing desire to live an extraordinary life, um, to bring people into the kingdom, to share Jesus with uh, people from varieties of cultures and uh, backgrounds. And so, Kevin, I want you to share a little bit of, of your story <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and what, what brought you to, to Brazil And then I'm going to ask you, like, where you find yourself in this moment with God uh, after that.
1: I like how this moved within 20 seconds from, we should record a podcast. (laughs) Look, it's recording. Hello, this is Nathan Harkness, a spirit-led.
0: I I am nothing if not an activator. This is true. (laughs) Uh
1: remind me of the question we were answering
0: okay kevin i met you choose one i met you in minneapolis Mm -hmm. and we were both uh wide-eyed passionate zealous um mission geeks and then you moved (laughs) we
1: had a lot going for us we had a (laughs)
0: lot going for us we you you were actually you were the one who helped me get to pakistan uh for the first time um to help with uh, earthquake relief in 2006 uh, and then I visited you, you ended up um, marrying your lovely wife and uh, moving to India and um, and doing a, a really uh, amazing work there with leaders. And, um, and maybe you could describe a little bit of
1: the work you were doing uh, before the illness. Yeah, well my wife and I both have a hero who died 200 years ago and his name was William Wilberforce and he was mostly known for abolishing the slave trade there was a movie made out of, above about it in maybe 2008ish called Amazing Grace but what people didn't know is one of the other half or aim of his life was to make goodness fashionable hmm. and my wife and I were both working in the United Nations multinational and government sectors which I had no ambitions I didn't even know what the United Nations was probably when I graduated from my (laughs) Iowa high school and um, but sort of fell into it when I landed in India unemployed (laughs) I was like I better make some money I have a wife (laughs) Um, and then once I landed I liked it but I was like well what is my purpose in this besides liking it? <laughs> and I was doing leadership training and strategy. And I thought, wow, I'm getting paid to disciple the leaders of the nation. I should try to make goodness fashionable through this. <laughs> and it gave a, a direction or a mission, purpose, and depth that was it, to it, what we were doing.
0: And if I recall, you were, you were using the life of Jesus, as a as a model for leadership is that is that right
1: i wasn't ken blanchard who i'd say is more if anybody's in that space um uh, he was more he wrote a book called something like servant jesus style leadership or something and, um but for example this was probably one of my favorite trainings i ever did i got a call from uh in this case it was a a university in india and they said um, they were the World Bank had paid them to fly the senior government officials from Afghanistan to come to India for a week to train them. And these are people who had to get signed off by the president of the country to come. <laughs> and I think they're getting signed off by the president of the country to get trained by someone from Iowa. <laughs> <laughs> and, but, um, so they, they called me, I, they had my name, and they said, Hello, uh, Kevin, sir, um, we hear that you are a leadership expert. <laughs> yes, of course I am. <laughs> he said, and um, we have these leaders coming. Would you be able to offer a training for them? I said, well, yes, I can. What do you, what do you recommend? They said, well, um, you're the leadership expert. <laughs> so I said, well, I think we should do something practical. They said, yes, yes, something practical. I said, well, I can't think of anything more practical than how to resolve conflict and forgiveness. And I said, well, that's an excellent idea, <laughs> come and do that. And so we spent the day talking about forgiveness and the fun part was you can, you can um, quote Jesus, things like take the log out of your own eye before you start taking specs out of your neighbors. And you know, I put it up there and I'm wondering how's it gonna be received? And they all laughed. Because they'd never heard it. They were Mm. were, uh, immune to it. And so um, that was... Mm. So in that sense, yes. If you were a believer, you'd realize, this guy still has teachings from Jesus. (laughs) But otherwise, like, the World Bank didn't usually know.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Wow, go ahead. All right, so I want to jump into... um, into the diagnosis and um, your wife um, was also a leader in her space which is education reform in india and she was tasked by the government of india to uh, to conduct trainings like you um, to help uh, teachers um, understand better uh, methods for uh, for teaching and she did a a really brilliant uh, dissertation which i got to read on uh, education reform in india and she had some really amazing um, thoughts on, uh, on education in India, um, but then she uh, was diagnosed with MS, and what year was that? 2015.
1: Okay, so so tell me how the progression went from there. Well, there's two types of MS. There's the good type and the bad type, and you'd rather have five of the good type than one of the bad type, and so, People don't really know if you have the good type, generally. And if you have the bad type, then you have you know, people in wheelchairs or going blind and just severe disability. And we got dealt the bad type. And um, so it was like every day was the worst she ever was and the best she would ever be, wow, medically speaking, and in our own experience. And so that's like, that's pretty hard to swallow. You don't adjust to it. And they've done studies on people, if you get in a car accident and say you get, you lose your leg and you get amputated, generally within about one year, you're back to the same baseline happiness as you were before the accident. And that's true across the board with huge losses, but that is not the case. With progressive diseases, and I think it's that reality. It's like you're grieving something new. You're like, I just got used to that loss. (laughs) That was bad enough. Mm -hmm. (laughs) This is worse. Can't handle this one. Mm -hmm. And you just do that. Um,
0: Yeah, and so she lost her quite a lot of uh, her mobility. Um, She's she's mainly in a wheelchair now Mm -hmm. or in a walker, and um, you know, and the doctors here, said, um, basically, she's, she's not responded well. What,
1: how did well, they, they say it? <laughs> it was worse than that. Now, both my wife and I have PhDs. So, of course, you're like, well, they haven't cured it yet. We'll find a cure. So, <laughs> um, invested about five years of my life trying to cure an incurable disease. <clears throat> and after five years had a meeting with a neurologist and then another doctor who we've been meeting with for since the beginning. And they, they both independently said, Kevin, we've never had anyone respond less to treatment than your wife.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I thought, how is that even possible? You're 60 years old. <laughs> um, and um, it was like, I was reading the story of Jacob at the time And Jacob was a very clever man who could figure out how to get what he wanted. And uh, it wasn't until he got his hip broken that he said, my God, not just the God of my fathers. And it was like Mm -hmm. God saying, Kevin, you are not decisive in this, and you need to surrender this to me. So that's why I wanted to ask you, because you tried. You're
0: an intellectual person. You're also a person of great faith. And I've seen you, um, you know, operate in in healing the sick. You've seen people get healed. You've seen miracles happen. Um, And with your wife, you tried, I mean, everything. You tried um, prayer, medicine, uh, homeopathic, like um, supplement. I mean, you've tried everything. And it seems as though to this point, it just gets, goes from bad to worse. And I want to ask what happened with your faith in that time of um, fighting an incurable disease and trying to cure an incurable disease?
1: I'm not sure what happened to my faith. I have to think about that. I hate what happened to my emotions. <laughs> 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 it was like my life got sadder and heavier and responsibilities got heavier. And so it's like, there's a strange thing that happens when you have lots of, Sadness combined with lots of responsibility that can steal your joy. Mm. And so that was what happened over the last five years, more than five years now. Um, What happened in terms of faith, um, the odd part was um, I wanted to grow. Like I I never saw anybody get healed in my entire life until I was, I don't know, Was I 30? (laughs) Um, But then I started seeing people get healed and saw people healed around me. And I mean, even our own neighbor, a Muslim guy got diagnosed with leukemia. Prayed for him a couple times and he comes back to me and tells me he's healed. The doctors have no explanation. I'm like, I prayed for you like two or three times. I prayed for my wife like 40 times, maybe more. And it was odd because... I can't think of a time that I prayed for my wife, at least in the first five years, that I didn't actually believe she was going to get healed when I prayed. Which is, which doesn't even make sense to me when I say it now, but I really believed it. Like I'm like, okay, now try. Yeah. <laughs> you should be better now, and I'm like, that's bizarre to me. So I think faith-wise, I was just more and more convinced, and like I'm like, and the, you read your Bible, I'm like, I. Can't, can't read my Bible any other way. I'm like, Jesus, you said you'd give us authority over autoimmune conditions. So where is it? <laughs> mm. And there is this sort of, yeah, that would be a little bit, many conversations with the Lord were that, in one line were that line. Um, you said this, where is that? Um, and in the middle of
0: that, um you and I were talking some, I visited you in India um, in 2017. Uh, so that was, f- that was five years ago.
1: Mm-hmm. And,
0: um, but we started talking more, probably a couple of years ago uh, in 2020. I, I think you are <laughs> emotional. When uh, you
1: became holier than I <laughs> I need to talk to him more.
0: <clears throat> it was, it was the, the emotional toll of the MS, along with re- just relational stuff and uh, and just emotional pain, and um, it, it, you are in a very hard place. You're in a very dark place. And just describe what that was like for for you.
1: This is 2020. Yeah. Oh. Physical losses are hard enough, but when it begins to affect emotionally and was affecting my wife's identity um that was a whole nother level it and it became a point where it was like i'd rather have my wife back emotionally and her identity and, and sense of being than even the physical healing um so it was kind of like oh surely it can't get any worse <laughs> and i did that for years um And then you sort of realize, well, I'm a very disciplined person by nature and I have a lot of resources going for me and I've been reading the Bible almost every day of my life for the last 20 years. And I write Bible commentaries and (laughs) memorize my fighter verses and I was like, this ain't working. Mm -hmm. I don't have the resources to deal with this and I'm overwhelmed. And um, I'd call people that were sixty plus years old. And I'd be like, please tell me you have an answer. (laughs) They'd be like, Kevin, I've never seen anything like this. I don't know what to tell you. I was like, no, don't say that. And you were a a funny, a funny piece in that. And the line that probably most changed me, and I think is what made me say Nathan would you disciple me (laughs) was you said Kevin you're really good at life is war (laughs) Mm. but my desire for you is that you would know the love story within the war Mm. and you said it and it rang with so much truth inside of me and I thought that is true Mm. and I don't know what that is Um, and I need it and you said Mm. I think it's time for you to move from the book of Proverbs to the Song of Songs, mm. and he gave me this uh, this homework assignment to read Song of Songs if I was so daring, mm. and I did, and it's been about a no, it's been probably eighteen months since you you said that, and I began this quest, and I feel like in some ways it was only fulfilled three days ago. Mm. Sounds crazy, actually. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah and, and and along along the road we've had many, many conversations, many adventures, and it's been really painful and, and beautiful to walk with your family on on this journey, and really to be i think I think for me the 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 turning point in our relationship was one, I took you through some redeeming memory work uh, yeah and I got to see. Um, through the Emmanuel approach, how Jesus interacted with you as a, as a young boy out on the baseball diamond. Yeah. And I, I have such a tangible memory of the playfulness of your relationship with Jesus and the very casual way in which he invited you to conquer cities and to mm-hmm. take over you know, territory with him. And I, I remember just thinking, this is, you, this is my guy. Like, this is, this is, uh, I love this. And I love, I just love Jesus. I love the way that he interacts with you in a way that's so familiar and yet so unique to you. Mm-hmm. But then I think that wh- what really got me was one time we were talking and, and the Lord gave me a verse and it was just a scripture reference. And I looked it up and it said, slaves obey your masters uh, mm-hmm. as, as unto the Lord. And the Lord said to me in that moment, you are Kevin's slave. And I want you to be obedient to him. Mm-hmm. And so I remember saying that, I think, Kevin. I think you're. I think I'm just your slave. I think I just <laughs> really, because um, you're asking me for question, you, questions and you're asking advice. And I, I've always had a great respect for you, and um, would have, you know, been really happy for you to teach me. And you have taught me many things and um, uh, about parenting and different things. But. Um, at that moment, it was like the Lord made it really clear to me that I'm your slave. And, um, and that's when I really took it seriously that, that God has something very important to do in your life. And, you know, you need people that are here to serve you. And so, um, so that's, that's really why I came to Brazil. <laughs> you
1: need help <laughs> is what i'm trying to say
0: um because you know you said hey what would you think about coming to brazil i said it's covid my family wouldn't probably like that too much um but i am your slave and so um i'll talk to my wife about it and i'll talk to the lord about it but ultimately if you if you want me to come i'll be there and so mm. um so i came with our our mutual friend uh, jenny and um and we had a week down here with you guys and i'd love to hear just what what stood out to you about this week and what god was saying to you about how to walk with with god in you know in, in the season of life you find yourself in
1: yeah i feel like you you need models around you to realize that there's something that you don't have. <laughs> it's like, my dad was the pastor, and like I was like, I go to church every Sunday, and I know these Bible stories, and I know all the right answers. I have reached the pinnacle of what it means to follow Jesus. And then you meet someone who like, seems to have a relationship with Jesus. I was like, what? What is that? I was in college. And then you, you read that these people, like they they fasted and they prayed for more than five minutes at a time. I thought, well, what could you possibly pray about for five, more than five minutes? You've got to be joking. How could you make up that much stuff to say? You know? and How and, long can it take you to get through your list? And so it's like, oh, there's like, you can go deeper. There's more. There's more. And you didn't even, cons- you thought you were at the top. You reached the top of the ladder in some sense. And um, And I think for me, I'm... I've gone on long prayer walks with the Lord for a long time. So if you lived anywhere I lived, you'd be like, why is this guy always walking in his neighborhood, <laughs> walking in circles <laughs> and his lips are moving around. <laughs> and he's looking at his phone, you know, I so stick hmm. a Bible in my pocket and you now a phone in my pocket. Hmm. And so I've done that for uh, about 15, 20 years, but it was always kind of a, a loner activity. Um, I was a good mystic by by nature perhaps but I didn't know how to do that I didn't know you could actually do that with others like it's like I would, for me it was you go to God and he fills you up and then you come back to your family and you're in a good mood and you can give and you can deal with all the the crises yeah <laughs> and then it's like okay I need some more time with God now and mm. being around you and Jenny it was like wait a second you guys are getting filled right now as we're talking. <laughs> you're in communion. What is this? And, and you're kind of feeling it. You're like, this is so weird. I've never seen this. Yeah. And it was one of the earlier nights you were here. And I was like, oh, it's 1 Thessalonians 5.17. Mm. It's pray without ceasing. I have no idea what that means. I've never had someone model that for <laughs> me. Like, it was just something that you know the monks did. And it was like, it was just a matter of intellectual curiosity. What does it mean to pray without ceasing? I was like, I don't know. I don't care. But I, like, if there's something beautiful, that's you get more of Jesus in your life and more joy. Then, well, maybe there it is a reality or can be. And so, hmm. I don't remember the question I was answering. But that was one big shift that happened in the last week with you guys. Well, I, th- I think
0: that's been a, a paradigm shift for me because you and I are both probably uh, mystics, guilty as charged. Um, and we're in our head quite a lot. And you, I, I shared the story about how Jesus became my best friend and I was sort of disillusioned with community and, um, you know, friendship. And, um, and then I went years without like a best friend. And then one day I woke up and I realized, wow, Jesus is my best friend. He's there like, you know, anytime I turn to him Mm -hmm. and to, to be able to unlock that, um, that access, that sense of like, when anyone turns towards the Lord, the veil is removed and they see, it's like, uh, like, you know, to be able to easily and efficiently make a relational head shift towards the Lord and to be able to feel that feedback or that, um, that affirmation in my heart and spirit. Yeah, I'm right here, child. I love you. That was really, really a significant shift for me, but i I thought you had to do that alone, you know out and about um, out in the woods, you know out in the word like <laughs> on the beach on the beach, you know, in beautiful places and but then to discover that actually Jesus flows through community and Jesus flows through other people, and it's messier, but it's it's actually part of how he's designed us to operate is um we build one another up in love as each part does its work and um and so it's it's been really a revelation to me and I feel like we've been learning it together um that, that there are effective ways that you can get filled with the holy spirit in the context of uh friendships in the context of conversation and you and I have had many conversations where it's like you say something and I, you know part of your anointing, Kevin, is, you, you say things that are true that feel true in my body. It's like you say something about, about the Lord, and it, like, it gives me chills. Like just, just there's something about the weight of truth and the way that God has designed you to speak truth is, mm-hmm. is very fun to be around. But, but everybody carries that to some degree, like when we speak to each other we recreate these mental environments in which um, God's presence can be felt and God, God can be experienced. And we express different aspects and attributes of who God is through our you know, unique gifting. So I, I feel like it is very much like a shared, a shared learning adventure um, that you and I are both on um, as like mystics learning to live in community. You know.
1: Yeah. The question that I had before the breakthrough three days ago, which troubled me, was, and I asked Jenny, is, do you spend more time talking to your thoughts or talking to Jesus? And I couldn't even imagine the possibility of talking to Jesus that much. That Mm. you're, when you're with someone and they're talking, you're having a three-way relationship. Mm. And it's like, Jesus, you love this person. What do you want to say to them? And you're just kind of sitting and resting and not, <laughs> um, I don't know how to describe, it's almost like, yeah, you're you're resting in the conversation with Jesus and before Jesus, rather than solving someone's problem with your own brilliance. <laughs> Which is, I mean, that
0: that is a huge, that's a huge thing. And, um, well, I, it feels to me like you've picked it up quicker than I I have even, because even during this week, you know, there's been stuff that I've pro- been processing with you that I've needed help on, and it's always surprised me that when I finish talking after maybe a minute or two or five, um, what I what I get back from you is not well. I think this is how you need to solve the problem, or you know, sometimes you'll you'll give an empathetic response, but. But then you'll say, I, "I, I, almost get this picture, or I, I almost feel like the Lord, what the Lord's impressing on my heart for you." So it's like, "Wow!" Like Kevin is listening while he's listening, yeah, and, a good way to put it. and yeah, and it's it's universally helpful to me. It's like uh, like you you've become more helpful and useful to me in mm. the last few days um, than in in any of our friendship combined. <laughs> well, thank you very much. I mean, like, I'm, and we've had a lot more time together, but. And, and, and I've you know, been open with some pretty deep places but you know, you've been incredibly useful to me and it's really not because you're so wise you're a very intelligent person but you are tapping into the pictures, words and images and scriptures that the Lord is putting on your heart and, um, and it's giving me actual traction mm-hmm. um, and I think that's, that's really how I want to live and I think that's how you're like, in terms of this new way of being like you want to live that way too is um, we both want to be useful in the kingdom. And the best way for us to be useful is to listen and to obey, which is so simple. But, but we need to learn how to do that more efficiently and more frequently and in the context of relationship.
1: Um, yeah, and you've been saying these things to me for the last 18 months, but it was like... I drunk it in the air with you for a week. And I was like, I can feel what it feels like. I'm like, I'm tasting it. Because when you described it before, I was like, I don't know how I changed the entire habit of my mental apparatus. (laughs) (laughs) I spend 99% of my time engaging with my thoughts. (laughs) How do you undo that? I don't know. It's... like trying to be conscious enough like don't blink it's like okay as soon as you think about something else you blink um it seemed impossible and somehow just being around it i I was conscious that i was trying to um absorb something from you guys it's like you have something that i i don't have and i don't have words for it and i don't know where else i could get it (laughs) um and so the nice thing was that you guys moved into my neighborhood and lived my life with me, and it was like I can see it, yeah. I can feel it, yeah. um, which is probably why John one says Jesus took on flesh and moved into the neighborhood, mm. because a treatise on how to live with, with principles, just it didn't move, it didn't change me, mm. um, and I'm very good at taking principles and working them out. <laughs> oh
0: yeah, okay. I read books. I like about your that. principles. <laughs> you got books of principles. <laughs> Very good,
1: too. <laughs> I own websites with the word principle in it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> one, one of the things that you said to me is, you know, um, with, uh, with Jenny being here, too, she's very childlike. Yeah. In the way that she approaches both her faith and also just life in general. Yeah. And she's making, you know, laser mazes for the kids. And she's making, and she's changing diapers and she's taking kids, you know, out on little dates. And there was, um, was a comment you made about the way that she approaches, how did you put it, like with, with joy, just the, she approaches her life with such a childlikeness and joy.
1: Yeah, I'd say that was one of the most striking things about both of you. That And it was so rare, it's like, I don't even know if I can think of anybody who lives like this. Mm. Even now I can't. I'm struggling to think of someone. And it was almost like I was I was in college all week this week. <laughs> but with without the vices or something. It, there was some pure like I, I wasn't rebellious in college. And there was some just pure. Beautiful joy and shared moments. And it was like I was experiencing that all the time with you guys. Mm. And it's like, wow, this is so weird. And it's like she's doing laser mazes and like throughout, you know, struggling to get into her bed because there's a laser maid all all over her room. (laughs) And I'm like, you're (laughs) why are you troubling yourself so much? And she's just laughing and having so much fun. And I'm like I guess so. I guess that's what a kid would do. <laughs> um, and just before you guys came, I was asking people to pray for this week. I was like, um, I think I describe it as, I've been crawling up a mountain like with my fingernails, and maybe I've gotten halfway up in the last two years, and I'm hoping for a promotion, like helicopter me to the top in one week. Um, <clears throat> and where was i going with this childlike ah and so i described it as you know a new way of being that mm-hmm. this mountain climb and you're like nobody knows what that means i don't even know what that means mm-hmm. and i think the day before you came i realized i think what i'm asking for is childlikeness a childlike faith mm-hmm. and i wasn't worried about becoming Um, childish, it's like, no, I'm carrying a lot of responsibility, (laughs) Mm -hmm. and I'm not worried that I'm just going to throw it off, Mm. Um, but I am worried that I'm going to destroy my own soul and Mm. lose all my joy Mm -hmm. that God intends me to have, Um, Mm. and I sort of knew it was my inheritance in a sense, Um, and it just got buried under a lot of loss and responsibility, Mm. and so then you guys show up and um, you're different human beings. <laughs> you have a different way of being. <laughs> and we were out sharing, you know, praying for people, sharing with people. And we were just like almost goofy, grinny. It was like, if they didn't know better, they would think we were drunk right now. Because we're just like a little too happy. Just having fun.
0: And that was really fun for me because I I genuinely don't usually do that kind of thing. But we were everywhere we went. It seemed like we found somebody to talk to about Jesus and to pray for. And um, it, it was like many days. It was just just somebody to sit and talk with and to share testimonies. And, and it wasn't a really heavy agenda. It was just like, wow, I can feel Jesus loves you so much. And, and I'm just so glad to be able to talk to you and to share a little time with you. And it was, there was something very unhurried about it. That um, was really special for me too. And I would say again, this is, you know, the child likeness is, is definitely something that I'm I'm learning, but it's significant to me um, because you know of a picture the Lord gave me, which was um, uh, maybe a couple of years ago, uh, I saw these two mountains, and in the valley between this grassy valley, and on one side of the mountain, it was sort of like the the the, the Israelites and the Philistines, but it was like it was like all the hor like the demons in hell, were on one side, and I could see all the vivid details of these grotesque demons, the black, mm. mostly just black you know, dripping, um, oozing, two-headed, you know, all these kind of creatures with chariots and swords. And and then on the other hill were all these kids. And Mm -hmm. they were, you know, maybe five to ten years old. Mm -hmm. And um, and they all had wooden swords and they were playing Mm -hmm. and having a good time. They had these like loose robes on. Mm -hmm. And there was this one boy, and he just at one point turned down the hill and yelled loudly and raised his wooden sword and started running down this hill. And, um, and then all the kids yelled loudly and ran after him with joy, just laughing, having a great time. And, and I saw the faces of these demons just melt in fear. And they started turning one by one and running away. And I looked behind the children and I saw these giant feet. And I saw Jesus about 30 feet tall running behind the children, just shaking the earth with every footstep. Wow. He had this robe, it was like, um, it was flowing. It, he didn't have a belt on. And so it was just flowing haphazardly in the wind, mm-hmm. and he was laughing as well. And he was running behind these children, and then as I looked at the children, as they got halfway down the hill, their faces turned to adult faces, and their swords became steel swords, and the armor started appear, appearing mm-hmm. on them. And they looked fierce, like warriors. Mm-hmm. And, um, and they just charged hell with, um, with this um, childlike ferocity. And I, it was just such a word picture for me of the kind of heart that I want to live from. Because wow. um, it's not just that it's winsome, it's that it's actually very powerful to be childlike. It's very powerful to be dependent. And there are things that I can do in a childlike space and things that I expect God to do. And when I'm in a childlike yeah. space that I just don't have the faith for when yeah. I'm in a grown up clever space mm-hmm. and when I'm just talking to my thoughts, like there, and it's amazing. You know, the, the, the greatest miracles I see come from this childlike space. And so I want you to talk about, because you had a very specific invitation from the Lord as we were worshiping the other night, um, re- regarding the land of children. And I want yeah. you to describe what that was like.
1: Yeah. Oh, it was the best worship I've had in two years, even though I I couldn't sing, and my voice is altered to this day, but it was just there, and it was, I had a, it wasn't a super strong image, so it was enough that you could just kind of ignore it if you wanted, Um, but it, it moved me, and I wasn't, I wasn't thinking about it. It was like, this is a random image that just popped in my head, and it was like there was a small river in front of me. And it was like I knew it was the River Jordan somehow. (laughs) And then there was a land beyond that river. And there was like a voice behind my ear that said, this is the land where only children live. Mm -hmm. And this sense of invitation. Do you want to go there? Mm -hmm. And I... My job title is... Leadership, strategy, consultant. <laughs> it's, like, it's like the least <laughs> childlike thing you can possibly do. <laughs> it's like strategy. <laughs> it's like, do you really want to go where children are? Because <laughs> this is the only people that are allowed. You know, the, the door is low. And um, you said something to me probably a year ago that I didn't particularly like. It sort of scared me, and I kind of knew it was true but I hadn't experienced enough to know that I could trust it. You said, Kevin, I feel like basically your mind is a gift from God and he's going to use it. But for now, he wants you to surrender it on the altar and kind of chuck it out. And he'll give you access to it later or when you need it. <laughs> yeah. But you kind of have to throw it away from now. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, ah, I, I don't know if I agree. I kind of agree. I think there's something there. I agree that like... But my life is eff- was effortful. It wasn't yeah, it- effortful. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like uh, Jesus, you say it's effortless. Come to me, you are weary. <laughs> you know, you do the work, you do the carrying. I walk alongside. I'm like I'm mm. pretty sure I'm not living in that, <laughs> um, or Jesus oversold this <laughs> <laughs> promise, and um, and so it wasn't a no brainer in the sense of this is a land where only children live, but it was like well, this is what I've been waiting for for at least 18 months and hadn't been doing before that. You know, wasn't even aware of that. I wasn't aware of that need. It was just, I was doing the next thing because it needed to be done. And um, it was like, I said, yes, Lord, more Lord, and walked through the water. It was like, this is a baptism. This is like a second baptism. Mm. And nothing magical. I didn't, I didn't feel like I was a changed person. You guys prayed for me. It was like, it was good. And Jenny asked me, what were you, what were you thinking? Or what was going through your head? I was like, uh, not much. It was mostly just trying not to do too much. <laughs> so, I was like, Lord. I think I'd probably just say, Lord, I'm yours. <laughs> I'm yours. And you do whatever you want. Hmm. And this sense of now the seed, it was almost like this door, this invitation is now open to you. 24 hours a day, every day. You can walk and live in the land of children every day. Um, Which, biblically, was always true to me. It was like, Mm -hmm. you can always dwell with me. You can always abide in me. And um, I can always be your strength, and I can always be your friend, and I can always be your helper, and I can always be your your salvation and your savior. It's like, that was always there, but it was like, it somehow was not hitting my heart or... And now it's like, this is my reality. And um, for me, one of the tests of whether I'm living in that, the land of children is, okay, how do I do this in a way that's effortless? Because if I'm listening to Nathan and I'm trying to help him and it's becoming effortful, well then I'm probably, <laughs> like, I'm probably living in the land of adults. Yeah. Yeah. And so I'm like, let me just stay here and yeah. pretend if this was all easy. Which is the same when people often you pray for healing. That you're probably better off if it feels really effortless and you're not trying. You're not trying to push power through your hand to yeah, heal somebody. Exertion is maybe not the uh, the best way to get results <laughs> in healing.
0: And I guess uh, one of the things that really stands out to me about the land of children and and what it feels like to be childlike in the kingdom um, uh, is this idea of relational circuits being on and the idea that like a child one of the attributes of the child is that they trust easily and there's sort of um it's before all the pain in life sort of takes hold of you you have a warm natural relational um trust in people and, and a warm desire to be with people and um Dr. Carl Lehman or Jim Wilder, who we both are pretty familiar with. Uh, you know, would call that having your relational circuits on, and um, and I think that when your relational circuits are on towards the Lord, there's sort of um, that that warm desire to be with Him um, is is just really really present, and so um, I guess I guess that's it's a helpful it's a helpful metaphor. And um, and an invitation to to live in the way of love, to live with relational circuits on, um, and and as the Lord always says to me, you know, when I when I have a success in in ministry, I start thinking about what did I do and how do I reproduce it, and uh, and the Lord will often say to me, now don't get clever on me, <laughs> and there is sort of this. Um, um, this need that we have to not figure everything out, and to be young in in the process, and I think when we do, we, we're we're gonna find a lot more dynamic power. And you you mentioned that some of your heroes, um, you said like East Stanley Jones, you said sort of had that childlike spirit about him, and I think a lot of the people that we really uh, appreciate and admire um, have that sort of uncomplicated. Uh, No guile, childlikeness um, about them. I want to know just any any thoughts or reflections you have in terms of cultivating that. Um, I think the invitation sounds good. We all know, you know, it's it's uh, if anyone doesn't enter the kingdom like a little child, you know, like it's hard to enter the kingdom if you're not entering like a child. But um, but what you know, what are the mental habits and disciplines? If that's not too grown-up of word to cultivate
1: childlikeness in your life. Well, I feel like I'm, I'm three days in. <laughs> like,
0: yeah, you're like um, a child in this journey. You should know
1: everything. I haven't decoded what's happening. I, I'm, one of the codes was this has to fear effortless or it's not sustainable. <laughs> The um, the other one is this habit of I'm in a conversation with somebody and so r- rather than get bored or try to predict what they're going to say or come up with a solution, just kind of this sense of, Jesus, thanks that you're here. Like, mm-hmm. um, and let me be like them to you. What do you want to say to them? And... And sort of turning my attention there, that's mm. another. Mm. Maybe the third would be, for example, was it yesterday or two days ago, we went up to the mountain, and it was like my my first test in the land of children, because it was like everything went wrong in the morning. I was like, okay, <laughs> now try to stay like a child, brother. <laughs> like, oh golly. So I went and took a shower, and I was like, Jesus, Help. Right. Help, and uh, then we went out, and there
0: was which really stood out to me. By the way, the fact that you got in the shower and you just said, "Jesus, can you help?"
1: Yeah, you know, and that was about as much as I could, you know, eke out. It's like I don't even know what's happening, <laughs> and there was this sense of when we were there, and we were talking, praying, sharing. I got some images, some that were a little bit weird or some scripture I was like I don't know if this is profound or helpful or nothing but I'm just gonna trust that um, the Lord knows me and it's okay whatever I am is okay and I don't need to be ashamed so I'm just gonna let it go out there without trying to evaluate whether that was brilliant or not brilliant Um, but it was brilliant but it it was genuine and it was there and I was doing it in before the face of God with you Mm. and those are maybe the only three indicators I have. I don't know how to say how to stay in that um, because clearly I was trying to go towards that with, with great zeal and gusto for the last 18 months without, uh, without much success. But I think the, the, the lack of success is there were real barriers. There were real rocks and blockades that were keeping me from doing that. And it was like, it wasn't one block. It was like, nice. <laughs> I, I exploded this, this, this huge boulder. Hooray, everything to me. And it would be wonderful for like a week. And then I was like, why am I plateauing? Why am I not connecting? What's <laughs> happening? And I was like, holy cow, there's another one. Oh, shoot. And it was like, I think most people just, there's just too many. It's just hopeless. And and one thing I learned from you you and Jenny was, if you're not joyful, there's probably a reason. <laughs> You know, and there's actually probably twelve reasons, but and so I think a lot of last year, and the year before, was dealing with these mega obvious bad emotions like I'm in despair. It's very hard to connect with God in despair, um, and. So maybe that was one. And, and
0: I th- I think that kind of goes back to a very um, a very key thing for me in my journey, um, which I learned from from Carl Lehman, which was if you are um, if you are not connected to God or you don't feel connected to God, um, there are reasons for that. Uh, the reasons are on our side if we can identify them and um, access Jesus' help in removing them, then Jesus always wants to connect with us in a way that makes sense to us, to our wiring and personality, our capacity and our ability. And um, um, I think that was really revolutionary to me to realize that God always wants to connect with me. This is just 100% of the time. And and to realize that blockage is... uh, it's not my fault, but it is on my end, and it 's my responsibility and it's it's mine to discover um, with his help what those things are, and sometimes it 's just a matter of asking for help. Can you help me understand this sometimes it's a matter of of asking friends for help, but um, one way or another, you know when we remove those blocks. We find increased capacity and ability to be relational, not just with each other, but to be relational with God in a way that, um, that we are able to experience God. And that to me is a tremendous promise because it means that we have um, agency in our relationship with God. We're not just waiting for, for Jesus to zap us with a lightning bolt and just sort of wondering why he has sovereignly chosen not to connect with us. His, if we believe in him, um, he, he lives inside of us. And um, and he wants to be experienced by us. And the more that you've been able to remove those blocks, you have experienced him, um, not not um, you know not with you know a voice from heaven or um, the earth shaking all at once, but increasingly consistent with your capacity and your wiring. And it's been really beautiful to watch how the Lord is drawing you deeper and deeper into his presence. So, um, so I'm very excited about the journey that you're on. And I'm very excited about what's, what's next. You've, you've got some big decisions coming up. And one of the things that I really appreciate about you is that you are um, you're a man on a mission. And uh, both you and your wife are, are committed to mission and committed to seeing the kingdom um, established on the earth. And, and so you guys, in spite of health challenges... Um, you are not simply going to um, try to, to settle into uh, ordinary... <laughs> Retirement. <laughs> Retirement. Um, you, you have more to do. Is there anything you want to say about what's on your heart in this next
1: season? I had a better answer to your last question now that I had <laughs> one minute to reflect on it. One <laughs> quote that has gone through my head as much as any other in the last... 10 days is Dallas Willard's definition of humility, hmm. and that is humility is never pretending. Hmm. I thought, I'm not going to pretend to be any smarter or any happier or any um, anything else. I'm going to be fully whatever I am and, and assume that that's okay without shame, hmm. um, <clears throat> and just because you and Jenny weird me out sometimes. I'm not gonna pretend that I'm not weirded out. You know, I'm gonna just stay there with myself. I'm like I, I weird I'm, myself out all the time. <laughs> Who I am is okay. <laughs> and so that desire of I'm not gonna even when, when you were looking for some answers from me, I was like, There's this pressure of like, I can't do that. <laughs> I was like, no, I'm not gonna try to get out of this state and be anything more than I am. So Never pretending, and maybe that's the quality of children mm-hmm. um, at their best. Like, yeah, not, not well, You have three <laughs> small children,
0: and, and you know, especially for the 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 littler ones, it's it's just like there's no sense mm-hmm. of there's nothing hidden. Um, yeah. there, there's no need to hide what's really going on inside. You get hurt, you cry, you you laugh, you you know, um, and there is that, just that that is so attractive that childlikeness. Um, yeah, and that sense of Wilder would say um, the ability to be yourself in every circumstance uh, mm. every situation that's, that's what maturity looks like for him and so uh, um,
1: it's a good answer it wasn't the answer to your question but it was the answer to the earlier question yeah. uh, I would say the verse that is most spoke to my wife and I in the last three weeks is Hebrews twelve one that you're surrounded by a cloud of witnesses, you tell her,
0: <laughs> as you were saying.
1: This Hebrews 12, one, since you're surrounded by a cloud of witnesses, and I'm picturing people that have invested into our lives, and I'm like, and they see me and I see them. It says, therefore, run the race that is set before you, which to me is a parallel to Ephesians two 10. You're saved by grace, for good works, which God prepared in advance for you to walk in, so mm. that one's you walking in it. This one you're running in it, mm. and the sense of we have to keep running. It doesn't end, and and so as God is getting us over this mountain, there's other mountains. And maybe it's the same thing that drives Elon Musk. It's like, bro, you could have retired 20 years ago with PayPal. Mm. <laughs> Why do you put yourself under this stress, brother? Mm. <laughs> I think it's that same drive to run and finish the works that God has put in your hands to, yeah. to steward.
0: And that's that's something that has always impressed me about you, is your ability to run very far with very little. you <laughs> well, made thank a, you. <laughs> you made a comment to me um, that you have such a sense of mission. And if God says in the Bible you should do something, then to you it's settled. And... Um, and if you receive a sense of calling, like you did to to India or back here to Brazil, is there's a sense of assignment, and you're not going to be de- deterred from that assignment. And I think that's something that's very very admirable, um, and very powerful, and um, and just just biblically speaking is very honored. And so, um, so I appreciate that about you, and and I think that with this relational piece of of entering the land of children, which we're both learning and learning to pray without ceasing and learning to walk, just walk with Jesus in in life. Because really, ultimately, um, we both want to just do the stuff Jesus did. And one of the things Jesus did was he just listened to the Father and he just did that stuff. And then he got a bunch of friends together and he, he taught them to listen to the Father and do that stuff. And it's sort of like both of us hunger for that life we see the potential and the adventure uh, and the simplicity but also the world-changing impact of living the kind of life that Jesus modeled and so we're on the journey we're on the adventure and uh, and I'm really excited to see what God does through your life I just want to appreciate you for taking time today for the craziest most impromptu podcast I have ever recorded in my life and we're, like, mixing drinks and uh, eating uh, acai and, uh, and talking. And it's uh, been really fun just to do this with you and with Jesus. So, Kevin, any last words? <laughs> <laughs> no. All right. So, yeah. So, good. What's our, uh, our sign-off? Uh, be, be in the new way of... Never mind. <laughs> Well, thanks for joining us today for Spirit-Led Discipleship uh, with me, Nate, and buddy, Kevin. Um, hope you guys are doing well and praying for you as you're hearing this, that, uh, that you hear the voice of the, of the Holy Spirit speaking to you and inviting you into uh, whatever comes next for you, into the simplicity of, of the journey with him that is um, so winsome and so fun And so worth undertaking because um, he deserves to have all of you. Um, And you get the joy of having all of him. So God bless you guys. And uh, wherever you're listening from, thanks for tuning in today. See you next time.